Hi, this is Amber. Welcome to today's podcast. The website is sacredspacehealing.org. That's sacredspacehealing.org. For those of you that are new to these podcasts and don't know, I'm a Reiki master teacher and a shamanic practitioner, and I've been running my own healing practice since 2007. The website, again, is sacredspacehealing.org. The work is focused on core wound healing, life purpose work, female empowerment, one-to-one coaching and healing sessions, and sacred union sessions. So, uh, welcome to today's podcast. Uh, As ever, thank you to everyone who listens in, and also for uh, all your lovely messages of support. If I haven't got round to responding to one of your kind messages, uh, please know that I will at some point, you know, that I often get a backlog, and it's not that I won't respond, I personally respond to every message of support that I receive, but uh, sometimes my schedule gets taken up with clients and life, really, Uh, but thank you so much for all of the kind things that you say, and also for sharing your experiences of what it's been like to listen to the podcasts and how they've assisted you. I've said before that the intention has always been to reach as many people as possible in as many parts of the world as possible. And, you know, I think initially I set up the channel. I didn't even set it up, really. I just recorded a few stuff, a few things and put it out there. And um, I did it because I I just wanted to share um, some ideas around healing and empowerment. I thought it could help people. And I was aware that some people were not able to afford healings. And I wanted to make sure that I was putting enough out, you know, giving enough back. And when I look at sometimes you get to see, you know, how many podcasts have been downloaded or how many listeners you've got. And when I see the thousands of downloads that have happened over the years for these podcasts, um, it's a really wonderful feeling because I know that somewhere in the world someone is getting some sustenance from these podcasts. And... I say this every time, I think, but if you can't afford a healing and you don't want to save up for a healing for whatever reason or you feel that you can't, you know, you can work your way through the podcast channel and it will assist you. It's never the same as the real deal. Um, And I I always feel that if you want to heal stuff, work with someone so they can reflect back to you the stuff that we, we can sometimes run away from. But it's there, right? It's there as your friend, especially in these times of need. So very appreciative of your messages. If you want to support the channel, you can go to the website, sacredspacehealing.org, click on the home button, and there's a drop-down menu, and you can donate as much or as little as you feel called to, and all of the money goes back into creating more free content, which is really crucial at this time. Every podcast that I record takes up my time. I give of that freely. Uh, It has to be hosted and all of this stuff. So there's lots of expenses that go on behind the scenes, and all donations just really help to keep the momentum going. Right, so today's podcast is briefly looking at this um, this feeling, this desire, I want what you have. And specifically in terms of uh, trajectories, you know, like work that is very unique to the individual. So let me explain that a bit more. When I was pretty much my whole life, like when I was at school and then when I went into various creative pursuits... I would often hear from other people in, a, in quite an envious way, like that kind of depleted, lacking in self-love way. Oh, I love this thing that you do. I want to do what you do. Why can't I do what you do? And for a really long time, I didn't have an answer to that. And then I remember at some point in my 20s, um, 
doing some work. Uh, it was cr it was creative work, and kind of bearing my soul in a class, really bearing my soul, like all of the pain and all of the joy and all of the complexities of it. And I remember one girl who was incredibly competitive with me, really jealous, like kind of you know bordering on obsessive. Everything that I had, she wanted. It was um, it was this kind of vampiric, ghost-like behavior. And I remember her saying to me, oh, I loved watching, I loved observing your work today uh, and everything that you'd created. I want to be able to do that. I want what you have. And I was only in my 20s, like my early 20s, and I said to her, "If, in order for you to have created the work that I created today, you would have had to have had every single experience that I've had. And I wouldn't wish my experiences on anyone. You know, there have been some really, really difficult times in my life. She actually didn't understand what I was saying, and she ended up kind of making up trauma in her life to try and have similar experiences to me. It was quite disturbing. But I later on in life, I've seen the same thing with my healing practice. I'll often have people... They're often healers themselves or people who want to be healers. And they'll say, oh, I, I want to be where you are. I've even heard it from, you know, sometimes you meet people in ceremony or workshops and they're not healers and they think that they want to be healers or they've attuned to Reiki but they're not practicing. And they go, oh, I want to do what you're doing. And I always say, you know, it's not about doing what someone else does. It's about really honing into what your gifts are and then celebrating those with the world. My work has evolved, well, my work is a representation, I feel, of me. So I wouldn't be able to do any of the work that I do and hold space for people the way I do and assist them in the way that I do if I hadn't had the experiences that I've had. And I don't talk about the majority of my experiences in podcasts or even in sessions unless it's very relevant to what a client is going through or a student is going through, and I feel that it may assist them in some way. And I know that we're in an age of revelation, you know, where everyone get, shares their experiences as a way to heal others. And I know that there is a kind of a marketing ploy that says you should, you should share your experiences because it will draw customers to you. But I don't believe in any of that. I believe that we need to keep some things that are personally private for ourselves and I believe we have to follow our intuition with these things and not just follow marketing ploys. So in the majority of my podcast, it probably sounds like I was born and I knew I had this gift and then I did it. And that's obviously not how it went. Um, and I'm still not going to share uh, really big experiences from my life uh, in this way. But I will say that there are a lot of incredibly challenging, painful and dark things that have happened to me in my life from a really young age. And my quest from a really young age, I mean, as far back as I can remember, was to try and better understand the human condition. And I think it was because I was trying to understand the things that I was living through. So I devoured books on psychology and sociology and spirituality and philosophy and all of that because I just wanted to better understand human beings um, and initially I wanted to better understand human beings sort of factually I loved autobiographies and then I wanted to better understand them psychologically and then I wanted to understand them creatively um, 
you know how the creative process in a way allows people to 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 sometimes release their truths in ways that they feel that they can't do in their everyday life and then eventually I moved on to wanting to understand things from a spiritual perspective and all of those ways of self-educating were ways to better understand the experiences that I had had as a very young child but also the experiences that I lived through in my teens and my 20s and then you know later on and I feel that every experience that we have informs who we are it informs our medicine for the world we can't be like someone else we can't be like that other healer or that writer or that artist or that musician or um, that journalist you know we can't be like them we can only be like ourselves and follow our passions and so I believe that the experiences that we have in our lives give us our passions you know they give us the things that we feel uh, really drawn to what is it that we want to put out in the world yes we can emulate other people I think lots of people do that these days and I think one of the negatives of social media and everything being so readily available is that it's really easy to copycat and I know that we're told that you know imitation is the highest form of flattery but I kind of feel like it isn't I think it's a deep form of disrespect for the person that we imitate because we're saying that we negate all of their experiences we don't value and honor their experiences and therefore value and honor their work we just want the end product and then we want to make it our own. So I, I don't really think that that's flattery. I think it's deep disrespect for the individual or individuals that we do that to. But it's also deep disrespect for the person who's doing it to themselves. You know, it's saying that they have nothing to offer the world. And they're just these empty, vacuous, as I say, ghost-like, vampiric beings that need to feed off others. And people like that do exist. You know, a kind of soullessness can, can exist in many people. Um... But I think in our social media age, you know, it's so much easier to just emulate rather than actually dive deep into what your medicine is. I mean, sometimes that happens, I think, when we're new on the path, and we're, especially when we're students, and we often want to emulate our teachers. And I know that there's been various times in my life when I've trained with teachers, and then I, you go off and you practice the work. And for a period of time, I've wanted to be like my teacher. So I'll, you know, I'd try and do the healings in the same way and I'd, um, you know, think about the way that they spoke and kind of bring that into the way I speak when I'm holding space or in circle. But there comes a point where we have to let that go and just find who we are. And when we do, that's when we really kind of own our medicine and that's when we start to be of service in the world. I think we have a huge epidemic of people emulating others, someone that they saw on YouTube someone you know whose book they read a guru that they really admire a healer that they worked with and they're not really going you know who am I what's my way of holding space what's my way of healing what's my way of helping what's my way of being of service in the world so I think the most important thing to remember if you're ever kind of faced with someone and you think I want what they've got is you know you don't know their life experiences you would have had to have gone through every single thing that they went through in order to be where they are today. Now that includes the positives, but it also includes all the stuff behind the scenes. Not only the trauma and the pain, but all the times that they sold their soul, maybe. You know, all the times that they sold out, all the times that they did dishonorable things, maybe, to get the, to where they are today. 
we are sold smoke screens of success. You know, we are sold versions of success and stories that often aren't true. You know, we're told that this person was, I don't know, this person was working in a, um, a restaurant or they were working, uh, they were working in some deadbeat nine to five job or some, uh, some, some awful place, living some awful life. And then one day they walked into a library or they walked into a shopping center and they got discovered. And that was it. They, they became a star overnight. You know, we're often fed that as a story and similar variations of it. You know, I was doing nothing in my life. And then one day I did this course or one day I did this meditation and I manifested millions. And now look at me. I honestly can tell you that the reality of that is probably not true. Like the percentage that that is true compared to the percentage where that is a story that's fabricated is uh, a huge discrepancy. That often these fabricated stories, if I was a nobody and I was tending tables in a bar and then I got discovered, is not what really happened. Maybe that was the initial story, but you don't know what else went on. You don't know what other deals were made. You don't know. You just don't know, is all I'm going to say. And similarly, we kind of hear these miraculous healing stories I had nothing, and then one day I did this, and my life transformed, and we go, oh, well, I just need to do that meditation. I just need to buy that crystal, but that's not how it works. I've often paraphrased my journey and, and said that, you know, one minute I was here, and then the next minute Reiki came to me, and I attuned to Reiki, and I suppose to crazy my life and to not share too many intimate details, that's a, a version of what happened. It is a version of what happened, but if I went into all the intricate details of what happened in my life, it would take too long, it's too personal, but it would also become very unique to me. And I very much doubt that anyone who heard my story, I mean really heard my story, would say, oh, I want what you have at the end of hearing the story. I very much doubt they would because what people don't see is the levels of self-sacrifice that you go through, the pain that you go through, the initiations that you go through, the dark nights of the soul that you go through, all of that burning in the fires that you go through in order to come out the other side and seemingly stand in your power. And similarly, and I think maybe a few healers might resonate with this, but also a few performers might resonate with this. You know, people don't see what goes on behind the scenes. It's like everyone thinks that uh, people in the public eye live these really glamorous lives. And yes, a lot of people do, but there are also downsides. There are compromises that are made and there are things that are less than in the light that people often engage in. And just this, it's, it's often similar with healers. You know, people think that healers sit around, I've said this before, people think that healers sit around on mountaintops omming and eating these incredible, you know, macro vegan diets and completely at peace in the world. And that's, that's not it at all. In fact, when you, when you step into the path of the healer, your life becomes more intense in some ways because you're constantly being called upon to clear your channel. And in some ways, if you are a legit healer, not a kind of, you know, copycat healer, in some ways your healing, your inner work has to be kind of ahead of trends. You know, it has to be ahead of the collective so you can help the collective. Otherwise, you're off no service because you've got to be about you know, a few steps ahead of the collective in order to assist them. So I often find in my work that the core wound work and the um, the life purpose program is that often once clients finish these um, sessions, there's a period of initiation, uh, integration that takes place for them. And I guess that is a form of initiation, actually, into their power. 
but there is a period of uh, integration that will need to take place um, and for it to all settle. And so sometimes people are looking for quick fixes, but there isn't one. It takes a while for the work that's been done energetically to catch up with people physically. That's how healing works. We do the work energetically, but then it needs to filter down into these dense levels in the physical realm. And so the work that we often do is about anything between six months to three years ahead of time. And I've often said that a lot of the work that I offer and the, the insights that I offer, I offer are years ahead of where people are. And so what that tends to mean is that in the process, sometimes people don't get it, they don't understand why they're being asked to do stuff, they resist it a little bit. But I can't tell you how many times I get that email after a year, two years, three years, four years, five years, saying, oh, it's finally made sense for me. All of the rituals, all of the meditations, everything that we talked about in the calls finally makes sense for me. And so I think that is often the path of certain healers. You have to be a few steps ahead of the collective. Now, what that means is that the ask of you to purge your stuff, to realign yourself, is huge. You can't be still where the collective is you have had you, you you kind of have to purge those wounds first and then as you do that you watch the collective catch up and some healers and even some non-healers because they don't see themselves as healers are often doing that so they can lay the foundations for where we need to go as a collective i think there's a lot of people doing that around the world they're kind of a few years ahead of where the collective is in their work so my purpose of this podcast really is to say that, you know, if you find that you're at places in your life or you meet people in your life where you think, oh, I want what you have, is to just stop and take a moment to really consider what it must have taken for them to get to where they got to. And if you say that you want to be where they are, you have to really sign up for the whole deal. And because we never know fully someone's life experiences, we can't sign up for the whole deal, right? So that means that we really can't ever be in a place of envy or emulation. I know it's kind of a human response many times, but it's a very low vibrational response. And even when we think it's admiration, oh, I want what you have, I wish I could do what you do, it's actually not. It's actually coming from a place of self, some kind of self-loathing, some kind of self-ignoring. And... Um, and I don't always think it's a reverence. I think sometimes it's a kind of disregard for the human being who is in front of you because it's easier to do that. And my invitation is that the next time that you have that thought is to really sit with, but I wonder what their experiences have been that have meant that they are where they are today. And as I say, you know, there's often lots of sacrifices that people make, things that go on behind the scenes, deals that they do, a lots of selling of soul that can sometimes happen in the corporate world. And for healers, there's a lot of pain that they will have moved through. Like that's kind of an inevitability, and I sort of feel that in some ways, the healers who I have found the most powerful and potent to work with are the ones that have moved through some pretty big stuff. Like I've never really got much um, use in healings out of healers who've not had that as a story. Now, not because they're not good healers, they are for the people that that will resonate with, but it doesn't resonate with me because their experiences don't match mine. And one of the things that I've found is that unless someone 
it has been through, what you are going through, they really can't help you come out the other side. Um, I've experienced that time and time again as a client and as a student, is that I'm, I'm like wondering, why is this not working? Like, why am I not getting what I need out of this healing session or this workshop or whatever? And then it turns out that the person that's, that's in position of healer or, or teacher just hasn't had the experiences I have. So they don't really know how to help me move through mine because it's really alien to them. And I didn't understand that at first. I still have lots of healers say, oh, I can't imagine what that must have been like for you. Or I imagine it would be this. And then they would say something and I'd be like, no, it isn't that. Because <laughs> you are having to imagine. And so I found that he, the healers that could help me were the ones who had been through similar situations. And for me, it was it was really, really tricky to find those healers who'd been through similar situations because I've had so many different experiences in my life. And I had to almost pick and choose and be like, okay, this is the area of my life I want to work on, so who can help me with that? And then there's this area, and who can help me with that? And I think, as I've said before in other podcasts, you know, when choosing your healers and your teachers, don't be afraid to ask those questions. Have you been where I am? Have you moved through it? Um, they probably will not give you personal details, but they could at least say yes or no, and then that might inform your decision a little bit. The um, the caveat to that is people get really caught up in, have you had the exact same experience that I have, and can you give me this desired outcome? And that's not possible. First of all, no one can have the exact same experience as us, not really. And secondly, no one can guarantee a desired outcome, because the outcome of, of a person's healing is dependent on so many different things, the biggest of which is free will, the free will of the person engaging in the healing and how far they choose to engage with it. So a few considerations there, and definitely worth reminding oneself that what we envy in others may not be something that we should maybe even ever envy, and that it's always worth just asking that question, you know, what have they had to go through in order to get to where they are today? And would I really want to go through that also? And I bet you that most of the time the answer would be no. The website is sacredspacehealing.org. That's sacredspacehealing.org. Wherever you are on your journey, I wish you much gnosis. That is the ability to see yourself as you really are and to celebrate all that you are. And in so doing, to greater uh, or lesser degree, depending on where you are in your journey, in so doing, to really allow your medicine to flow through you and into the world at this time. Until the next time.